the human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine. And we will learn to utilize each of them to the maximum and learn to make decisions about what we want and how we want to feel. What a concept. And one we will explore today on The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. On our program, we'll address who you are, why you're here on this planet, how to go within, how to come to know what you believe and why. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to The Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting from Fountain Hills, Arizona, and I am so delighted to have you with us today. I encourage you to look at the self-improvement blog, theselfimprovementblog.com. See our guest's picture, read her bio. There's also a couple of really great videos to watch while you're there. And while you're there, notice the book ad. There's a new division of Dover Books and some giveaways are coming up that you might want to watch for. They're really good books. Also, Read the article about intuition that I put on the blog today and check out Sync Tuition while you're there. It's a brand new, awesome program that's just being launched, not announced even yet, and we get a sneak peek. Uh, so, you know, want to take a look at that. If we've ever needed to develop and learn to trust our intuition, it's now. And this is a tool that will help you do that if you have trouble tapping in to your intuition. We've talked before about how really old I am. And in my lifetime, I've seen a lot of change. The first car I can remember, and this will blow your mind, is the new Model T Ford that we got. Now I see cars that park themselves, avoid collisions, or even drive themselves. I saw my first airplane during the Second World War. You know what those planes looked like. Now we send people to the moon and to space stations and to all kinds of places. TV wasn't even thought of when I was young, and I remember the first one I saw. The picture was black and white and had a lot of snow. And the case it was in took up a really big part of the living room. Now I can watch the news or movies on my phone if I choose to do that. Speaking of phones... Once we had a crank phone, you cranked it up with the number you wanted or got the operator. Now I have a phone that's smarter than I am. I can tell Alexa to turn the lights on and off. She can tell me some really bad jokes. She even sang me a Halloween song. I can tell her to order dog food and the next day it's delivered to my door. How's that for mind-blowing? I used to write letters by longhand, and now I send email and text and pay my bills online, and I don't even own an envelope or a stamp. The technological changes are coming faster than most of us can adjust to. The planet used to seem so big, and people in other countries seemed so far away. Now I get on Skype and talk to people in Australia, the UK, Canada, This week, I've been talking with someone in Estonia. (laughs) Go figure. Drastic changes have taken place in every facet of our lives. And today, we're going to talk about how we navigate such change. And we have Laura Alden Cam here to discuss it with us. And she's the perfect one to talk about it. Laura Alden Cam is an internationally respected spiritual teacher, 
medical intuitive and author. Her work has spread through word of mouth, influencing and supporting tens of thousands of people from over 130 countries. Laura has been a guest on ABC and Fox News and featured in national and international magazines. <clears throat> Excuse me. She's the author of Intuitive Wellness, Unlocking Your Intuitive Power and Color Intuition. I have known Laura for over 20 years and have found her to be incredibly accurate in what she sees and knows as an intuitive healer. She is much more than that, and I consider her one of my dearest friends. I am so honored to welcome Laura Alden Cam to the Self-Improvement Show. Laura, welcome. Oh, thank you, Irene. It is so wonderful to be with you again. It's been several years since I've joined you on the show, and I love listening to you talk about the changes you've experienced in your life, and I know we could go on and on about that, but it's just so phenomenal to think I, about I how thought fast. about it, it blew my mind. Yeah, yeah, of course, and, and now it's even more ramped up ever since the 50s and the 40s, really, and then processed food in the 60s. I mean, we've been flying yeah. through changes so fast, and it's uh, getting even faster now. Getting faster. Um, every day seems to be going by quicker with more new things that you know, I don't understand. Anyway, we won't go there. It's <laughs> been so long since you've been on the show. Tell those who have not heard you or heard about you, about yourself, who is Laura Kem? Well, I'm pretty simple Midwestern woman. I grew up in Ohio and had a pretty normal life, a really um, lovely life uh, as, as a kid. You know, our parents' uh, father was a Presbyterian minister. Our, our mother was um, a special needs teacher and high school students, and she had a love for travel. So, you know, she she was one of these wild and crazy women in the 60s that owned her own business. She started an international travel company, which was in business wow. for, for about 40 years. So the gift of travel is something they gave us, you know. And you were talking about talking with people on Skype and all over the world. And, and so at the ripe old age of eight, they really opened our world and started, you know, saving pennies and taking us um, to different places around the world. And um, that's when my intuition first started to really lock in. You know, I was always a kid that I would see patterns of energy and thought it was really normal to see lights coming out of tulips or, <laughs> or walking around the garden in my little red um, rubber rain boots, you know, before the, the spring came. But I could see and feel the energy of the plants um, starting to warm up as the weather warmed up, ready for the irises to start pushing out through the ground and the lilac buds to bloom and the willow tree to bloom. So I spent a lot of time in the woods, like a lot of intuitive people do, and um, and kids. I mean, we, we just, you know, nature is where it's at. And um, so, but fast forward, you know, I thought everybody could see and feel like I do, and, and the more <laughs> I... Yeah. And the more I speak with other people, there are so many of us, there are just so many of us that, that felt this way as kids and uh, had these experiences. And the truth is, is we're all intuitive. It's an organic, 
natural part of who we are. It's not. Um, but for some of us, it's been, gift, it's you know? been taught out of us. You know, we yes. we think yes. we aren't. But yes. you had you had a near death experience that was very powerful and very life changing for you. Uh, I, I'm sure that some of our listeners have not heard anyone in person or personally who's had a near death experience. Tell us your story. I, I'd be happy to, and and. Um, the preamble to that is that, you know, when I finally figured out that nobody else was paying to, paying attention to their intuition like I was, at 16, I shut it down and tried to be like everybody else in the band yeah. and be a majorette, go to college and I'd do all that stuff. But it, it just was pressing on me from the inside. So 10 years after I shut things down, um, well, you know, God has a different idea sometimes. So I yeah. was, you know how that goes, right? Yeah, so I was in college. Are not. Yeah. What was that, Irene? I'm sorry. Uh, some of our plans just don't go as we planned. No, no, they don't. So it's best to just get in the river of your life and start paddling. And sometimes you have to get hit in the head by a two-by-four or an abscess. That's right, and that's what happened to me. And um, I was in school setting architecture, pre-architecture, and had full plans on going full steam ahead into architecture. And I woke up on Super Bowl Sunday extremely ill, horrible, horrible headache beyond what the word can even describe. And uh, 11 days later, I uh, found myself... um, at a critical point in the hospital in Ohio near my family home uh, that I checked myself into. And I'd been in there for several days, and they couldn't find what was wrong with me, but I knew I was dying. And it was um, a really, really horrible experience, excruciating pain. And I couldn't tolerate light or sound, and the only way I could tell the time of day was this little thin sliver of light that would come through the hospital windows blind and move across the wall. That's the, that was my only marker of morning and noon and afternoon. And it was on a Wednesday evening, early into Thursday morning, where evidently I was screaming for the nurse that I had gone blind. And I don't remember any of this. I certainly remember knowing I was going to die in the days prior. But um, they put me in an ambulance, took me um, down the freeway, at evidently over 100 miles an hour because my husband at the time was following the ambulance and and I uh, and I died in the ambulance. I lost all vital signs and I remember floating among uh, above rather uh, this young woman's body and I didn't even recognize it was me. And my eyes, the cranial pressure was so bad, my eyes were bulging from the socket. So lying there with eyes closed, I actually still looked like Betty Davis, you know, uh, just eyes wide, wide open with my mom was there, and, and that's when I recognized my mother first, and, and um, she was holding my hand. The nurse was saying, Laura, don't go, don't go, and I just said, well, I'm out of here, and I went and had a beautiful experience. I had, there was a lot of detail that I can't possibly go into um, in this show, but it was extraordinary to be there, and I saw my life, and the one thing I will share is that I saw a scene when I was a little girl, and my best friend Sue and I had um, decided to steal a robin's egg because I wanted it as a pet and to hatch it. And, of course, we killed the poor little thing when we tried to hatch the egg. And I saw that scene, and 
how powerfully we're interconnected with all things. And I came out of the NDE. There were more things that occurred, but I came out of the NDE, woke up from a coma, regained most of my eyesight, uh, but not all of it, and which is still continues to this day. But I'll take it. Not a problem. And... Um, you know, a few days later, I was sliding down the hill again, so I had no choice but to go under brain surgery. And the doctor's telling me it'll be fine, just two hours, no problem. And he's telling my parents and my husband to get prepared that if I survive, I'm going to be a vegetable. And, you know, this again, God has other plans. And so 10 hours of brain surgery later, I woke up, and the nurses were laughing in neuro-ICU, and they were laughing at me, you know, kind of chuckling in my direction, which made me very nervous. And I had a big white turban on my head and drains coming out of my head, and they wheeled my bed over to the window. And it's early February in Ohio. There's snow on the ground. And out on the windowsill was an albino-headed robin. Now, they don't know oh. my story. They don't know what I went through, but there, this little tiny robin with a white head was sitting there on the windowsill, and they were laughing because they were saying he looked just like me because I had a white turban on my head of gauze. And he, that little guy sat there, Irene, for the three days that I was in neuro-ICU, and one of the nurses, her name is Judy, I'll never forget her, she... She came up to see me in my other room. She said, as soon as you left, Lord, you left too. So, you know, there's just all these miracles woven within this experience. And what I know to be true for all of us, there are miracles woven within every part of our lives. Sometimes we just don't see them. We don't see them. Yeah. Powerful experience. And I know it brought a lot of changes uh, to to your life. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, how this changed you? You know, the, the gifts you have are so, so amazing. And it seems like this experience made them blossom and ripen. I don't know how else to say it. Um, yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah. Like any any profound experience that we all go through, we're, we're forever changed. And, and this was no different for me. And it accelerated the skills that I had as a child. And, of course, as, as an adult now, even a young adult in my uh, mid-20s, um, I had a better idea of how to put things together in my head. And so... The interesting thing is is that I didn't, of course, seek out being a medical intuitive. In fact, the term wasn't even popularized until Carolyn Mace and Norm Shealy, Dr. Norm Shealy, yeah. um, had taken that, um, that label and, and popularized it in the mid-90s. And so, but I started feeling this promise, not, not so much a calling, like pulling me out into something, but something upwelling in me that, that something was going to change. And, and because they, the doctors didn't know what was wrong with me, it was a small hospital, they didn't have all the technology necessary to find the abscesses. And so, um, you know, I just didn't want anybody else to suffer or go through what I went through. And so this promise kind of came out like this, that I was supposed to go help change medicine or support the changes in medicine without going to medical school, without becoming a nurse or a physician. 
in such a way that no one else perhaps would have to suffer the way I did. And I didn't know anything about this. I didn't know anything about energy medicine at the time, and it was such a new field then, and certainly not medical intuition. You know, I wanted to be an architect, <laughs> so, yeah. so, but I couldn't see well enough to draw a straight line, and we didn't have CAD computer-aided, you know, computer-aided drafting at the time, back, back in the early 80s, so, so architecture was out. So I just paid attention, and we had a dinner party in the mid to late 80s, and somebody asked if there's anybody that can help intuitively somebody who has an illness, uh, a, fr- a friend of this person that asked. And I just kind of like, raised my hand. It was like some angel was behind me pushing my elbow and my hand up. And I, and I just said, uh, I, I can. And I really stuttered just like I did. Yeah. And it started. It started from there. That was the first point. And I think at this point, we'll take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about your work and then about how we can navigate change. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Laura Cam, saying stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Tune in to the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self-improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. Our guest today is Laura Camp. She's a medical intuitive, 
um, does lots of other things. Laura, I want you to tell us a little bit about your work and how people can find you if they think your work can be beneficial to them. Sure, of course. Um, the website is uh, www.lauracam.com. Uh, just um, take my name off of Irene's um, bio description and Google. It's just Thank that you. easy, lauracam.com. And um, my work does go beyond medical intuition, although that is the framework of my work. That seems to be a skill that I've just really developed, and, and it follows that promise I was talking about. But I also do structural work, uh, houses, fine mold, um, you know, uh, had people call when they've uh, had a building that was cracking and um, the engineers didn't know why, so they wanted me to take a look at it. I've okay, time out desert. here. How, why, how do you know these things? Tell them about what you see. Well, it's um, all my work is remote, and uh, so I used to see people in person, but I don't do that. I have done that for almost 20 years now because it's easier for me to look in and, and just focus on going in instead of looking at a lovely person across from me. Um, but, but the visual is extremely strong in me. I can honestly admit that, and it's highly detailed and very nimble because I get to practice this all the time. And so um, I get it very strong images. They're not too blurry around the edges like some mind's eye visions are. They're very exacting. And I have a lot of control over it. Again, that's because I practice. And, um, and so I can scale in and scale out. It's just a matter of, of an intention to go in, which I always say that I'm going in, and my mind goes into the space where I am needed or where I need to look. Whether it's a building, a body, a boardroom, it really doesn't matter. And um, I can scale out to higher levels of terrestrial and, yes, even extraterrestrial, meaning planetary, astronomical forms, and then come back in and go down into um, the level of DNA. I have had some experiences um, and all of this happens spontaneously, okay? But I don't know astronomy. I don't know geology beyond a few college courses, okay? And so, and I don't know biology except for what I've learned by working with physicians in my own self-study. I've never academically pursued it. So one of the things I know that helps me, and it will help anybody else who wants to develop their intuition, is approach it with that beginner's mind as, they talk about in Buddhism and also a childlike nature. Not child as in goofy or kicking around, but as in innocent and open and curious. Because I never know what I'm going to see, and I don't want to project onto anything that I'm going to see. I don't want any expectations in my way. So, so I am so laser-focused when I go in, for instance, in this building, and I would look at the superstructure, I would look underneath the permafrost, underneath the surface of the ground, and what I noticed is that there was not only instability in the way the ground was leveled, but the type of ground it was on. There were differences in the soil structures, and that led to some weakness in, in just the basic foundation of the earth to building contact. In addition to that, the building was framed and built and poured. Concrete was poured at different times, and sometimes that time gap was pretty extensive. So 
the way the concrete cured, the different way um, some of the structure was built was different. So they had different various loads and weights on the building. Now, again, yes, I had some architecture, but I had not gone through that much architecture (laughs) to understand this. I feel things. I can feel that pressure in the building being imbalanced, just like I can go into the inside of a brain and look at the pressure of the skull coming inward if somebody's been in an accident or hit their head. You can feel and sense all of this. It just takes a very focused mind to do it, and that can happen through meditation and practice. And, again, that beginner's mind and a childlike innocence going into feel, if you're an empath, to hear, if you're auditory, if you're a perceiver, you just know when you go into something and you connect with it energetically, mind to mind, focus to focus, and, and it just will show up. You have to let it come to you, even though I say I go in. It's like me going into a structure um, and, and just waiting for things to show up, waiting for the information and the data to come to me, and then I report. And so if any of you need that, you know, check out lauracam.com, and it's K-A-M-M, two M's for cam. Mm-hmm. We, we said we're going to talk about navigating change, and I yeah. think, you know, with your background, you're, you know, people can understand why you're a really good one to talk about this. Mm-hmm. What do you see as the major changes impacting us on the planet today. I mean, you probably see a lot things a lot differently than most of us. So what what do you perceive as changes that are impacting us now and perhaps will impact us, you know, down the road? Yes, and um, ever since the early 90s, I've <clears throat> just known that um, 2016 and a half through 2024 into 2025 is a pretty intense time for our country. And it seems to have turned out that way, and not just our country, uh, in the world. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on undergirding the conscious mind of humanity, and so that has been evident in the changes of technology ever since World War II, even before that, even way before that, the 1900s. Um, there were energy medicine devices and Sears and robot catalogs um, before 2000, or 1910 when the Flexner Report came out and changed the way medical school was structured and medical education and delivery of medicine was structured. So these, this has been going on actually for about 150 years, and it's a long paradigm shift, but this is a critical point in technology and in the advancement of technology and the advancement of humanity or the lack of advancement in humanity. And this is one of the areas that concerns me, that people are getting a little too Twitter-brained, as I call it. Attention spans are shorter. There's, there's more hecticness in people's nervous system. One of the major things that I see with people who are having challenges with chronic fatigue or just don't feel well or fibromyalgia is that the nervous system that intertwines with the lining of the alimentary canal, which is the esophagus, the stomach, the small and large intestinal tract, is highly irritated let alone the brain and the mind and the prefrontal cortex and the adrenals are, are being overstimulated by too much technology, that white screen or the blue light, as they call it. So there's all these different levels of pressure that we're on. Just 
well beyond the day-to-day, you know, go to work, take care of the kids, mm-hmm. watch health care. You know, just, just the day-to-day life has gotten so covered over with all of the technology and the fast pace that we are presuming that we have to maintain in order to keep up with our day. And you probably notice, Irene, but the word multitasking was... <laughs> was created in the 60s over the big computers, like the Oracle computers. It, it has no reference at all to human beings because human beings' brains and nervous system, which is the brain and the spinal cord, cannot multitask. No. It cannot do more than one thing at a time, but we've taken that term and shoved it into our lives and our expectations and our boss's expectations and people's expectations of us, let alone ours of ourselves. And, and we're driving ourselves into illness and unwellness and unhappiness and depression. And the nervous Absolutely. system is the primary system you know, that gets hit. And then the thing that strikes me into, uh, the most, I just had my grandson over here this weekend, and you know, he, he was on the, on the, I tell you, he was texting or on the computer. Um, he didn't, he, the only time he got outside was to help me walk the dogs. He, he just is so tied down to technology. And you drive around and you see people everywhere on their phones, even in a nice restaurant at dinner. You know, everybody's on their phone texting instead of talking to each other. What, you know, how do we get away from that? What's that doing to us? Well, as, first of all, it's taking our power away. Not only our psychological power, our power of choice, our energetic power. It drains our energy systems. If anybody's a, a chakra or meridian aficionado, it, it drains our chi, our prana. It, it just pulls the life force away from us. And with that, the power of choice. We're entranced and mesmerized, really hypnotized by the technology and the perception that when we get a text, oh, my God, we have to answer it right away. I mean, yeah. I, I find myself getting caught there every now and then, and sometimes we do need to respond quickly. But more often than not, it can wait. It can wait. And so we have to make a choice. We have to regain our power of choice and, and snap out of the hypnotic effect that the technology and the pressure to connect with technology um, and to use it at a level that's not working for our bodies, we have to we have to quit this. We have to we have to quit it in the sense that we have to re-regulate ourselves because the technology is not going to stop. the The new adaptations of it isn't going to stop. It's making us a dumber. It's making us at risk to be less intuitive and to follow our instincts. And that, frankly, is very dangerous because the world is not any safer. And I'm not an alarmist, but just look around. It's not safer no matter where you no. go. I have family that lives overseas. They're, they're, they're watchful. We've got issues going on in this country and lots of countries. And issues have always happened, but they're happening with a little bit more regularity now and, and a little bit more uh, disastrous effects. So we have one to, of the one, things that concerns choice. me is the divisiveness or divisiveness, however you yeah. want to say it, uh, among groups, you know, we have this group here who's angry at that group there. We have, you know, Afro-Americans who are angry at white people and, and, and the Hispanics. And, you know, it's like I, I never used to notice, you know, yeah. what people were. 
Right, I, me too. I, you know, they were people. And, and yeah. you know, where is that taking us? You know, what, what's that? Well, How can you be angry all the time and, you know, grow? Well, the, the, the stress on the body is promoting the, the stress in the chemistry of our bodies, plus the food. And that's a whole nother radio show in and of itself is the lack of quality of food. Oh, yeah. Very quickly, I have people that are clients that have, that have diabetes and other conditions, but particular diabetes, and they, when they go to Europe, because Europe doesn't have the same food regulations that we do, in fact, they are more stringent over there and don't allow the chemicals that we allow in in our food processes, um, they 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 can reduce their diabetic medicine. As soon as they come back here, there it goes back up. Yeah. But we could talk about that maybe in another time. But we got to heal our bodies. We got to make choices, and we have to realize that we're in a big shift. And not everybody is awake, and that's fine. Everybody is contrast for other things. But the divisiveness. The hate, the genuine anger and venom that is coming out uh, about this side or that side is the point of contrast, and you cannot change a paradigm. You cannot wake up. You cannot take a leap as an individual, as a culture, as a global community without contrast. So all of these actors, if you will, on the personal and community and global stage are participating in making contrast very, very sharp. And it will come to a tipping point, and hopefully not one that has a red button involved in it uh, in anywhere on the globe. And, and we'll, we'll wake up. People are waking up very quickly. I mean, just flip back to the ni- 1990s, particularly in the Midwest. There were no yoga studios there. And now no. they're everywhere in little towns. That's a shift in consciousness. That's a paradigm shift. That's not about commerce. That's, well, it is about commerce secondarily, but it's about a paradigm shift. So we are waking up. People know what Tai Chi is. Chinese medicine is now, and acupuncture is now approved by healthcare plans, some of them. Yeah, Things my doctor's changing. office has a, has a yoga class. The doctor's mm-hmm. office has a yoga class. Right, right. Yoga instructor. Where right. do and you see this ending? What either. kind of shift are we in? You know, if you can see to the end of the shift, what are we becoming or what are we coming to? I'm, I well, don't mean to make you a fortune teller, but you know. <laughs> well, we'll see how we do. It is, it is a little bit of a pressure cooker right now um, between perceptions of what's different and what's right and what's just. And, and then it's going to be more of a pressure cooker between technology and our self-reliance and our self-awareness because technology can make us go to sleep about who we are as human beings. But more importantly, the, the understanding or the waking up to the fact that you're an eternal soul, I'll just use that word, you're an eternal soul inhabiting this awesome vessel and the soul is animating everything. You've got a destiny, a purpose a reason to be here for yourself and for service to others. And we forget that if we get wrapped up in the hecticness, and particularly if we get consumed by technology instead of consuming it appropriately. Okay, what are the things that we as individual human beings need to do to stay in balance during all this chaos? Well, it really comes down to the primal 
factors of human life and sustaining that life. You have to go back down to the foundation, back to the basement, uh, so to speak, to regain balance. And that is because if you look at a teeter-totter, the fulcrum in the middle is nicely rooted and drilled into the ground to maintain balance for both sides. You know, even Aristotle, uh, one of his main theories was the, called the golden mean, where you don't go to extremes on either side. Taoism is the same way. Buddhism is the middle way. So all of these cultures across time have, have talked about balance, and you've got to have that basement fulcrum. So food, we all know about processed food, not the best choices. So back to whole foods, it's as healthy as you can get it. Get your hands back into the ground. I know one time I was really tired, and I went to see the brilliant Dr. Gladys Taylor McGarry, the mother of yes. holistic medicine, as she's known, 97 years old now in Arizona, beautiful woman. She said, Laura, you need to put your hands in the dirt and grow a garden. And she was right. That's what I needed. So you've got to get back to basics. Food, and you know what? Please. It's really hard sometimes to find a place with ground that we can get on. Yes, yes, yes. Very We've- true. Concrete so the next thing is meditation. I'm just such an advocate of meditation. It calms your nervous system. It re, re, retrains your brain, opens up um, more healthy neuropathways, and meditation is the way for you to understand your own mind, your own self, and become more self-aware so you aren't going to buy into all the stuff that's out there. And um, the next shiny thing, that's where we can get trapped and tripped up. And how do we then begin to develop our intuition, and how important is that? Well, I think it's extremely important right now, because if you are not paying attention to your body's awarenesses, like if you, and it's so, it's actually so simple. It can be as simple as making a decision and flipping a coin, only it's not about heads or tails. It's about how your body feels when you've chosen head to say yes and tails to say no, and it and you really want yes, but you're too afraid to commit to it because you're not following your intuition, and it goes to tails in your body and your mind just go oh, you know you wish it was head so you could say yes. You got you got to say yes when you feel a yes because if it's a no, it's a no. Well, maybe a kind of a sort of I'll try. Those are all no's, and people forget that. So you you got to listen to your body. It the body rules down here. This is a physical world. The body rules. Hot, cold, hungry, everything goes through the body. Comfortable around somebody, comfortable in a new job, comfortable still in an old job. Your body will tell you. You've got to listen. Your nervous system is a finely tuned machine that is inextricably connected to the intuitive apparatus. Intuition is not the information. People say, I got an intuitive hit. No, your intuition delivered information. Nervous system picked it up, delivered it upstairs to the brain. Chemical dance happened, and you got the language for it. That's the (laughs) process in a nutshell, okay? You've got to listen to your body. It knows. When I first met you, you used to say, Irene, you've got to trust your information. You've got to trust your information. How do Mm. you know or share with our listeners how you can tell that the information is is true, is 
the information you're supposed to follow. You know, if I got yeah. a, a, a little bit of information saying, you know, there's a big old candy bar that's been in there for a while. Why don't you go <laughs> eat it now? <laughs> that doesn't seem like good information. Um, well, and, and that's emotionally charged information. Intuition is always neutral. It's even. It's sometimes quiet. Sometimes it can be loud, like, no, move now. But it's even. It's not critical. It's not angry. And it's not exacerbated emotionally. So that's the first thing. Look at the quality of the voice. Is it highly charged emotionally or not? If it's neutral, it's intuition. Okay? And your body, you know, like, we've all been around people that we, when we're talking with them, we either lean in or we lean back. We either put our hands open or we put our hands in our pocket or we cross our, you know, that's some, that's right there. Either, either it feels good or it doesn't. Either you're open or you're protecting. It's very, very simple. It's not so complicated. And we forget the simple things. Because the rest of our life is so complicated, we think one of the most organic and natural things to our whole being, which is intuition, needs to be complicated, too. It's not. It's very simple. The more you practice it, the more highly skilled you can become with it. But same is true with cooking, (laughs) right, or sewing, (laughs) or anything else, right? With intuition, it's about paying attention to what feels good in your body and what doesn't. Which way does your body lean when you're thinking about something, are you still leaning forward? Or are you leaning back? Are you torquing to the side? Do you find your jaw tight? Is your stomach hurting? You know, all or is it open and happy inside of your body? Do you feel light and spaciousness in your body? These are all cues that intuition is giving you signals without words. And most of us really don't pay attention to that. And and some of our minds go to, oh, uh, the Scarlett O'Hara thing, I'll think about that later. Uh, I'll I'll worry about that then, or maybe, maybe I will. Uh, Is there a way to develop your strength intuitively? You you said several times now that you had to practice and practice and practice. Mm -hmm in terms of developing your intuition and knowing, you know, what you were seeing and, and all, you know, all that goes with it. How does somebody that doesn't believe they're intuitive develop their intuition? Okay, um, three or four simple steps here. One, start meditating. Three, five, 20 minutes a day, focusing on the breath, moving in and out of your body, watching your mind throw all kinds of things at you, and come back, coming back to the breath, a pretty standard Vipassana-based meditation. If you have a mind that will not shut up, that just is going bazonkers all day long, do a Zen meditation where your eyes are partially open with the focus of the gaze three to four feet in front of you or six to seven in feet, uh, feet away from you. And just hold that gaze right there. Still be aware of the mind in the same way. So that's number one. Number two, take that skill into inanimate objects, meaning go to a plant that you have at your house. I know this sounds crazy, but it actually really works. It builds a skill without giving you feedback, which gets rid of expectations and ego about whether or not you're accurate. That will come later. Go to a house plant. Go to a pet. Go 
go to something that can't talk to you, a tree outside even, and take your mind's attention into the plant, into the dirt. Assess where the water level is, where the dirt is dry, where it's moist. Are there any bugs in there? How are the root system? What's it look like? What's it feel like in there? You don't have to be visual. You can listen for the information, but take an inanimate object and just practice that. Write down your notes and then just leave it alone, walk away from it. And then number three is pay attention when you're talking with your friends or your family. The work that you do in meditation, the work that you do in, um, with inanimate objects or even animals, um, to go into a belly of a, of a puppy that you have or into the, the heart of the puppy if you want to do the medical stuff, but you don't have to. But when you talk with friends or family, you'll start getting these streams of information, however they come to you, visually, auditorily, kinesthetically, or that perceiver. You just know. And, and then you may say something. Now, you don't go blurt out everything you know intuitively at somebody. You need to have their permission. You ask, may, I'm kind of getting a feeling about something. May I chime in here? You have to have some etiquette. You have to have boundaries and respect for everybody else. It's called integrity. So yeah. then you start getting feedback in phase three from other people. And it's organic. You don't have to prove anything to yourself or anybody mm-hmm. else how amazingly intuitive you are because guess what? You already are. But it will start building your skill sets. And then you turn it on to different things, you start paying attention. Like all the time, you know, like I'll wake up and I'll go brush my teeth. It happened this morning. I got up and I brushed my teeth. My alarm was set. I said, I'm, as soon as I put my feet on the floor, it's like, okay, my alarm's going to ring as soon as I pick up my toothbrush. And there it did. It did. So it's <laughs> just funny how it shows up. It's like no big deal. It's just that's an intuitive hit. It's not going to change the needle of the world at all. But that's how you know you're, you're in sync with everything, that you're paying attention, you're aware. Very simple things to do that really move your personal needle a lot when you practice it. And how does this bring you into balance? Well, when you are using a natural or an organic part of who you are, the deepest part of our connection to our soul, to our eternal self, in our mind, our consciousness, our cognitive intelligence, you're in alignment. And you may not make great choices all the time, and you'll know when you don't, but you will make more aligned choices going forward. And this is not about perfection. (laughs) Life is so not about being perfect, right? But it, it helps you become more who you are clumsy stuff and all, you know, and, 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 you know, celebrate the nerd in you, the geek in you, the clumsy one in you, the one who forgets things every now and then. Celebrate all parts of you. And intuition, if you listen, will help keep you more on track because that's the most authentic voice we have. It is the core of who we are eternally. And um, it can't be denied. There's a huge power. It keeps us safe when the environment is unsafe. It helped me answer tests in college when I forgot the answer. I'd look to see what color would light up around the answer. And one would light <laughs> up. There'd be a little color circle, a colored circle around it. So I'd check it, 100%, boom, done. It just That's... shows up in all kinds of ways. You've got to learn the way it works for you. 
So most of this development is built around a sense of self, who you are, and Mm -hmm. trusting the information that you get, trusting that you are indeed intuitive. Yes. Is that true? Yes, because we are taught, as you said very early in the show, that we're taught how to pay attention to authority in the outside world around, you know, as soon as we start heading off to kindergarten or preschool, we're, we're having to pay more attention to authority than outside of us than inside of us. And, um, you know, um, I think this is why hero worship happens around age 8 to 12, because we're really the superheroes, but we're trained to forget about it. And, um, you know, our souls can leap tall buildings. We can see through walls. We can, you know, fly our mind around the world and look at something or feel something intuitively. But, you know, we've, we're losing our superpowers. But it's so natural. It's so natural who we are. I guess one of my soapboxes is um, that everybody's trying to be like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so we lose a sense of self when we're trying to dre- dress like the the movie stars or you know talk like somebody, walk like somebody, whatever it is that we're trying to mimic. Yeah. How important is beginning to know who we are as an individual and coming into our own being mm-hmm. uh, in terms of navigating this change? Well, that's a really important point because we all live in a socially constructed reality with food, clothing, educational systems. It's all socially constructed. And we're internally construction constructed and, more importantly, internally driven by the voice of our intuition, which, again, dovetails beautifully, exquisitely with our intellect. And while we have to move through the world, at least most of us feel we have to move through the systems of the world, and there are some that don't, and they choose to live their own life just outside of that reality, and that's fine, but most of us like to move in the river of that constructed reality. And if you know yourself inside, if you know that voice, the quality of the voice, the tone of the voice, and and you'll get it. As soon as you do something like like the candy bar, you know, the voice that says, go eat it, and there's a voice that says, mm, no, I don't think so at this time. And you don't listen to the, I don't think so at this time. You know the quality of that intuitive voice right there. You know the tone, the tempo, the, the uh, temperament of it. And if you blow over that all the time... You know, you know you're blowing over it, and you're going with the emotional and maybe the outside world. So it's a matter, again, of making a promise to yourself. It starts there that if you hear that voice, you will take pause and then choose to listen or not, but at least you'll make a conscious choice instead of blow right over it. That's the first step. That's the first step. And I really don't have a candy bar in there. I just want, <laughs> I just want you to know I don't have. Um, I do have some Twix left over from Halloween, but <laughs> they're not going in me. <laughs> We're right up at the end of the show, Laura. What's the thought you'd like to leave our listeners today? Well, I, I 
know that your listeners are very savvy and um, connected people with themselves and their families and their communities. And that's what I encourage you to keep doing. Just keep listening. Keep showing up to yourself first. We always hear this because if you want to borrow the title of your show, The Self-Improvement Podcast, you you got to be self-aware. You've got to take care of yourself first, which is, of course, not narcissistic at all. Listen to that voice. Understand it. Um, be present to yourself. And then, my goodness, your world will change because you'll know when to show up and when to walk away. And, and that's Yeah, and loving yourself is certainly yeah. okay. Yes. Yes. When you listen to your intuition, your self-respect increases. And when self-respect increases, so does self-love, the willingness to continue to grow, your self-worth is well-established, and your self-esteem rises. And when you have self-esteem, you can say no to the outside world if it doesn't work for you, and you can say yes to that inner voice and that inner knowing that does work for you. And that's where power is. And all of that says it's okay to be who you are and not like somebody else. Laura, I cannot tell you how much I've loved having you on the show today. Um, It's it's been lovely, um, informative, and um, just really very special. Thank just want to you. say it's, thank it's you so much. It's such an honor to be with you. I, I love and adore you. And I um, just want to acknowledge you for all the service that you've given to the world in your in your work as as a nurse, as a congressman's wife, as, 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 as a spiritual teacher and leader, and as a, a radio host. I mean, you have touched so many lives. I remind being one of my children. Love you and adore you. So thank you for all your service to everyone. Oh, your listeners are some of the luckiest so people on the nice. planet. Uh, on that note, we are going it's to true. have to say goodbye. This is Irene Conlon and my guest, Laura Cam, saying thank you so much for being with us today. And come back again next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Again, for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here. <laughs>